powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Prog Watch. Tonight, you join us in the far meadow where the atmosphere is very peaceful and tranquil. Various fish are swimming lazily. And in the distance, formal horses are quietly grazing. Suddenly, the peace is shattered by the arrival of a stampeding herd of Gabriels. And what seems to be a rather oversized tiger moth. Hello, you fellows! It's Pete Jones from Tiger Moth Tales here. You're listening to Prog Watch with Anthony Rosick. Chalks away! <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
see so very clearly now All my fears are drifting by me so slowly now Fading away I can say The night is long But you are here So close at hand Oh, I'm better for the smile you give And while I live, I will follow you Will you follow me All the days and nights that we know will be I will stay with you Will you stay with me Just one single tear in each passing year I will Follow you, will you follow me all the days and nights that we know will be? I will stay with you, will you stay with me? Just one single tear each passing year.
that opening track was Follow You, Follow Me from the Peter Jones album Seven Stones Turned, which was released in 2016. So welcome back to another episode of Prog Watch. If you hadn't guessed, this is Prog Watch, and I am your friend and humble host, Big Tony Rousick, a.k.a. The Prog Squatch. This week we're going to be catching up with Peter Jones of Tiger Moth Tales, who had a hell of a year in 2016. I spoke to Peter in December of last year, and we'll get some of that interview rolling right away. But first, I want to let you know, we did have some uh, problems with the connection. It was a bit dodgy at times, as my English friends like to say, but I think you'll get the gist of everything we were talking about. So let's get that interview going right now. Yeah, we haven't spoken since way back in January of this year, and boy, a lot of good things have been happening for you this year. Yeah, it's been a bit... uh... Well, uh, I can't really believe... Was it January? January spoke, was it? It was um, January. I think at the time you had the Red Bazaar thing happening, but you weren't allowed to tell me about it yet. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, that, that was uh, that was rather cool. Um, yes, obviously we, we did that. Um, how'd, how'd that all come to be? The red, well, the Red, the red Bazaar thing um, all started before, uh, before Cocoon. Um, it was in 2014 when Cocoon was already finished. Um, and I would, had played Cocoon a couple of times to, to Gary, uh, Gary Marsh from Red Bazaar. Okay. And we'd, we'd had a couple of jams, um, just him, me, and, the, and, a, and a drummer, uh, Dave. And we'd, we'd had a couple of jams, sort of uh, very surreal, just just playing, sort of, you know, trying to work our way through Supper's Ready, you know, in some dodgy, damp basement studio in, in, in Mansfield, which is the town near where I, where I live, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, <laughs> which is which is something I'd, I personally have never done. But, um, but yes, um, yeah, that, that was fun. And then, um, yeah, we got um, talking, and Gary, it emerged that Gary was in a, a, another band called Red Bazaar. Um, he suggested, I think, I think he suggested to them that uh, a collaboration might be interesting because prior to that, they'd always been instrumental, right. um, an instrumental band. And so therefore, you know, um, uh, they, they'd done, uh, they'd done really well. You know, they had a lot of success and a, a following, especially sort of, you know, around, around here, you know, but, but being an instrumental group, uh, I guess instrumental prog is more of a niche, sure, even even more than prog is a niche, you know. Yeah, so a little more it's limited. A, yeah, it's a niche within a niche. So um, yeah, so um, we decided to have a go at writing something together, and we thought if if it works, we'll try another one. Uh, and calling, thing we did, uh, and in many ways, I mean, I, still have, I have a very soft spot for that one um, uh, because it was the first one we did. That that came off so well. Um, what that what we was that one it, again? I, I you kind of broke up there for a minute. Oh, I didn't hear which it was, track. It was calling her on. Okay, or, or calling her Darren, as we seem to call it these days, or <laughs> or whatever, calling her Ron, uh, yeah. and uh, that went that worked so well. I mean, we, we we felt to us that that felt like a good a good track. And the next thing we did was City in the Stars, and both both with quite dark subtexts to them, dark lyrics, deep. Subjects not not like I would usually write about in Tiger Moth Tales, as you as you as you know, my my right. stuff is usually my stuff is usually either quite happy and silly, or it's it might be somber, but it's never it's never particularly dark. So that was quite a new avenue for me to pursue, and they all sort of turned out a bit dark, really. So yeah, it started out as one one and one or two, and we kept going, and um, and we thought this is shaping up to be a, a pretty cool album. You know, I'm really I'm I'm really quite. Uh, 
glad with how well it's done and, and obviously um, the reviews and stuff. I mean, I can't. Like, it's always odd when you get a review that's come out sort of about six months after the album, uh, which is what happened today, which you, you may have seen on Facebook. I, I did know. see that, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, six months later, because to be honest, six months is really about the about the life of a the shelf life of, a, of an album, isn't it? Really, it's like it's, days, in, ter- yeah. in, ter- in terms of prog as well. You know, it's like, oh well, um, listen to it. If, if you're still listening to it in six months, then you, you're probably going to it's it's probably wor- it's probably going to be under your list of classics, sort of thing. But if you're not still listening to it in six months, you'll probably never listen to it again. <laughs> so yeah, possibly. The fa- yeah. The, the, fact, the fact that somebody, I mean, they may, they may have just discovered it. I'm guessing that's what's happened. But someone has just either discovered it or, or has got around to writing a review about it six months later, and that's quite cool that it's still getting a bit of attention. And to be honest, it's it, um, you know I put an awful lot of well we all did put an awful lot of work into it, um, and I felt like for me it was kind of it's kind of been my it's, it's been my album <laughs> for the year as well because um, it's been my my biggest and best sort of contribution in terms of output this year I suppose that's what I'm trying to say I suppose but, but uh, you know we, we we're all really pleased on how it came out and we've enjoyed rehearsing it and. Uh, Doing it live as well, which we've only done we've only done once up to until now, but uh, we've got some more good in December. So yeah, Red Bazaar was uh, really cool, and, and it's continuing to to be so. And of course, they the guys from Red Bazaar very kindly agreed to be the Tiger Moth Tales backing band as okay, well. Yeah, so, I wanted to ask you about that because uh, you had a, a big gig a, a month or so back, and you made it available to us folks on. Progzilla Radio to check out, and I did. And uh, I was wondering who all was in the band on that recording. And, and are you planning on re- releasing that? Is that what you've been working on? We're not planning on releasing that. Um, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's, well, it's always a bit of a thing with live live recordings, isn't it? Because you, sure. you, I mean, especially I mean that I mean that one was that one was literally out of the out of the desk. You know, should we wish to? Uh, uh, how can I put this? Um, polish it. Uh, in any in any way, uh, that's not really doable because you know we, we <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, so um, it's just like a two track or something. You didn't have all yeah. the individual tracks recorded independently. And it was our first gig, and there are there are bits where we kind of listen to it and go, oh god, you know that, that was a bit of a bit of a bum note there. Or it whatever. wasn't that bad. I heard it. Oh, oh I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I'm really glad we got a recording of it because uh, just just for the vibe, you know, it was such. A, I mean, obviously the first time. For Tiger Moth Tales as a full band, yeah, historic. And the, and the, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to look back someday, and they're going to say, "This is the date when it all, you know." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, remember, I remember hearing on the news something about about uh, uh, somebody naming uh, naming a bank, no, naming a railway station after a bank or something. It's not like uh, they, they named a station like Barclays. Barclays Station or NatWest Station or something, like and I remember the newsreader saying it was it was a historic moment, and I thought <laughs> is that historic because it's because it's never happened before. In which case, I mean, I, I've never I've never you know I've never eaten a rhinoceros, um, <laughs> so I suppose it would be historic if I did that, but it wouldn't be particularly interesting. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yes, I mean, to us it is kind of it is kind of historic, um, and of course it was the first time Red Bazaar had done uh, well with the, with that lineup and and, and and playing that music, so. It was great for us, and it was great to capture it. And the crowd, as you've as you've heard, I mean, that is a a, a very uh, uh, very secret bootleg. Yeah. Um, here that they are sort of really up for it and enjoying themselves. Yeah, we, yeah, you more, had a, we got more people in than we, than we thought. Yeah, you had a partisan I mean, got, crowd, definitely. They they we were. Got, 
we got fifty. Well, I don't know what prog gigs are like in in the USA, you know. Um, but I mean, we got fifty people in, which for us, for a first time gig, we thought it's not not too bad at all. Bearing in mind, you know, sometimes you can have two or three band, bands playing, and you get about you know thirty people in. It, it, it's it's very 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 uh, unreliable in terms of numbers. I, I don't know if you find that in, in the in the US. What, what, what's what's your kind of thing with that? Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, Prague isn't quite as big here in the U.S. as it is in the U.K. So I think you probably have more like prog bands that are actually out playing little gigs around, you know, whereas over here it's not so much. You know, you might get the big names coming through occasionally, you know. Yeah, I suppose I've never really thought about that, but I suppose, yeah, I mean, and and it's weird that you get bands like uh, like Spock's Beard and, and uh, Sound of Contact, you know, Coming over here to, to gig, you know, it's like yeah. I have a long way to come and do it, like a three or four gigs or whatever. Uh, but I guess we, yeah, we have a bit more of a, a bit more of a prog vibe. Uh, yeah. But then I, I think I think perhaps in it, like Italy and Germany, they they have an even bigger vibe. Perhaps I don't know. Um, yeah, I was talking to um, Oliver Rusing. I'm still practicing uh-huh. the rolling R, but yeah, he uh, he <laughs> said it's pretty big in Germany. You know, I had him on my show a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he said it's 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 real big in Germany. You know, so maybe you need to get over on that uh, over there. You know, uh, you'll be huge in Germany. Did, did you? Did you uh, <laughs> you're well, huge yeah, in, the, in the UK. I mean, I, I'm trying to uh, help make you more huge uh, over here because I think you're brilliant, man. Well, you heard Peter talking about his collaboration with Red Bazaar in that last segment, and let's hear some of that wonderful collaboration right now. This is Lights of Home from the Red Bazaar album Tales from the Bookcase, released last year. <laughs>
fog claws at his throat as he stares out to sea. Every day his burden grows. Breathing orders, breathing blood, the fever bears his lungs. Not much longer now, he knows. Dancing through shells and fire as the flames grew higher. Pitching and tossing, she went over the peak and then plunging down again. Torpedoes hit the deck of the sinking wreck. A column of flame hit the sky. Thank you. 
Once again, that was Peter Jones in Red Bazaar from the Red Bazaar album Tales from the Bookcase, released in 2016. Now let's get back to the interview. So much, somebody asked me if I was, um, I told them I was going to Japan with Camel, and then they said, are you big in Japan? You know, <laughs> and I said, you know, it's in the song. And I said, well, I'm, I'm pretty much big everywhere, but that's just because of the size of me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll be ginormous in Japan. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trust me, I would be. I'm like six feet seven inches tall. I'd be like three heads uh, taller yeah. than everybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I, mean, I forgot um, about the camel thing. Yeah, I, t- I forgot all about that. Yeah, you did that too, man. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was awesome. That was um, one of the best things I've done in a very very long time. You know. Um, uh, I, I want to tell this story. It sounds awfully like. Um, in fact, I may have said I may have mentioned this when we spoke in January because, obviously, the the initial conversations with Camel first started around this time last year. Yeah. So I don't know if I told this story already, but I like to tell it, even though it's incredibly na- name dropish. You know, it's very, very lot of uh, drop drop away, man. Going on. But but uh, the, the story basically goes that um, 
uh, a guy, Barry, Barry Lenton, a friend of Andy's, had given him Cocoon's CD. And I uh, haven't had a especially good run of luck with their keyboard players um, of late, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, I'm j- joking apart, um, uh, Guy LeBlanc died uh, sadly last year, of course, yeah. and uh, uh, Ton Scherpenseel can't fly. He's got a real bad bad fear of flying, which which kind of discludes anywhere um, anywhere you can't go by train. Um, yeah. And I think they w- worked with Jason Hart last year, but but things. I think he well he's doing he's doing other stuff now, isn't he? He's doing something on Broadway, is it? Some kind of musical thing he's doing. Sure. Sure. But he's but, but he's, he's doing he's, he's doing other other avenues, and obviously he's doing he's doing his thing. Uh, so I think. I mean, I can only put attribute it to the fact they were thinking, bloody hell, we need a keyboard player. Because, you know, and, and I still, to this day, I'm amazed that they would ask me, knowing that there are people, you know, there are so many other fantastic keyboard players, far better established, you know, and, and far better, far bigger names, you know, than, uh, than myself. So it still astounds me. But anyway, the story goes that uh, he gave the CD to Andy. Andy must have liked what he heard. And so I, I got this email from, from Andy Latimer saying, we wondered if you'd, like to you know, join Camelot and do some shows in Japan with us, and uh, I was thinking, I was thinking, uh, well, yes, I really would. I mean, uh, to come other, other. I mean, I, I always have to check and see what other jobs I've got. Obviously, try and move them, but <laughs> yeah. so I was well up for it. But I had to send, I had to send him back this reply because he asked me to send a, a, a version of Ice. He said, "Can you, can you do me an audition with, of Ice and send that to me, you know, and, and so I can check it out, sort of thing." And I had to send in the email, sort of saying, "Yes, uh, yes, no problem. I'd love to do that. The only thing is, I can't do it this weekend. I'll have to wait till next week because I'm off to uh, Cumbria this weekend to play with Francis Dunnery and Robert Plant." Wow! <laughs> Which is one of the oddest emails I've ever had to, <laughs> yeah. I've ever had to send. So, like I say, yeah, very, very name, very name dropping. But um, yeah, that's a yes. good story. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, so. The, the the audition went down well. Um, my, my my brief was basically to come as near to uh, Kit Watkins as, as as possible. How um, how tough was that? I mean, did did you have a hard time learning the repertoire? Or? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, for that particular track, Ice, um, the sound was quite tricky to get because it's quite an interesting sound on the lead. It's not it's not like square wave or anything. It's quite a sort of interesting interesting sound. And, and as for as for getting near to what Kit was doing on that track, I actually I actually like those instructions because um, I mean don't get me wrong I'm I'm more than happy to do my own thing with something but the trouble if if you, when you do your own thing with something especially something as classic as that you, know, you run the risk of sort of potentially ruining it for everyone else or you know uh, um, or it starts to get uh, a bit bitty you know <laughs> yeah so I was quite yeah. glad of, I was quite glad of that briefing to just to and that's that's how I approached all of it really I mean obviously there was Kit Watkins and obviously the, the majority of the stuff was uh, from Peter Bardens and it's just a, a joy a joy to play really fantastic music um, really I mean there are some nice noodly bits but but a, a lot of great feeling parts as well and you know within I mean Camel to me, always seem to always seem to to like to write songs. So, within within the prog parts, you know, there are really great songs as well. And um, yeah, it's just a joy to to do. And they they seem to like what I did. I mean, um, we we had a, a four piece which they haven't done for a while. I, I believe I don't know how long, but I think it's for at least the last few tours 
they've had two key two keyboard players. So I think that was a bit of a interesting thing to to, to, to try and make it work. I mean, there's things you have to compromise, and sometimes you have to cut bits out. But um, no, everybody seemed really pleased with how it went, and I, and I, I had a ball, you know. It was just, uh, and and they're just fantastic guys as well. You know, I sound very, uh, you know, showbiz shite and all, but <laughs> but you know, they are they are lovely. All I mean, the, the the guys are lovely, Colin and Andy and Denis and and the, the the whole management team and the roadies and everyone. They just it does to 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 use a cliche, it does feel like a you know a family sort of thing. And um, I just had a, you know incredible time. That's and, cool. Yeah. You know, uh, I really hope we'll do it again. You know. Yeah. Um, any any recordings of that? Do you know if they made any recordings of any of the the live dates? Any plans Sorry. on? A- on a live album. Sorry, I, sorry, I was just uh, I had a, I had a quick sip of my beer then. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Uh, yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I, I I know, or I believe that there were um, video cameras um, filming some of the tour. Whether that was being done for their own use or, or I, I really don't know. Um, it'd be absolutely, absolutely super if there was something. Yeah. Uh, some kind of live thing that came out but i, I really don't know um i'm, I'm sorry <laughs> uh, yeah if you find out i'm sure you'll let us know huh uh, i would uh, believe me if something if something does come out i shall be uh i shall be i shall be telling the world about it <laughs> all right yeah well you should mm. you know um mm-hmm. you know i'm very very proud i mean i mean very proud to 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 be a, a part of it i mean i know i know camel is not like genesis in in that i think since the since like ninety, I think it was seventy seven. I think Andy has been been the the only constant. Well, well Andy's been the constant for all the, all the way from the beginning. But right. but obviously they've had different bassists, different drummers, uh, uh, keyboard players, and stuff. I mean, Denis, Denis, believe it or not, he he's been in the band for sixteen years. So that, that's pretty that's pretty uh, long back, long way right. back you're going. And Colin has been in the band since nineteen seventy nine. So that's. You know, that's uh, you know he's, right. he's a pretty he's a pretty firm fixture at this point. <laughs> kind of like yes, you know Alan White. He's been in there for you know he may not yeah. be the original drummer, but he's sure been there a long time. So I mean, and of course they were out there in the original Vanguard, you know, with with Genesis and King Crimson and 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 Pink Floyd and all that. And I, I do um, I did really try to sort of to take it in as I was doing it, just to sort of kind of remember it all and. Uh, savor the moment. That's and I great. Yeah. Just just remember thinking it, uh, in Lady Fantasy that there's there's as you you may know that there's a, quite a long bit where Andy does his solo and depending on how he's feeling it could be could be uh, could be two or three minutes or it could be about uh, six minutes ten minutes. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it depends how it depends how good he thinks it's going. I think. Um, and I just sat there going doing my little keyboard bit, which is. <laughs> and I'm sat there and I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You know, I always wanted to be when I was a kid, actually, to be Tony Banks. You know, I, I actually dreamt of being Tony Banks in Genesis. Yeah. And I'm, I think, and now, and now I'm Peter Jones in Camel. Yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> which is pretty. Uh, yeah, it's great, man. Pretty awesome, really. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's. I, I can't. I still. You know, it sounds like I'm being a bit sort of. I'm, I'm trying to be modest or whatever, but but I really I really can't believe. You know some of the things I've been able to do in the last the last year or so, the last couple of years. Yeah, that's why. Really, I and to give get, you another ring, man. Yeah. These opportunities, you know, it's um, it really, 
is uh, pretty unbelievable to me. So, you know, I feel very lucky and very glad to be able to take part in these things. Let's take a little break from the chat and listen to another song. This one is Storytellers by Pete's main project, Tiger Moth Tales, from the album Storytellers Part 1, released in 2015. time is how it all began pictures from the mind of a woman or a man words from the pen we read them again and with them palaces of gold Scenes of time gone by Or futures yet unknown Words on the page The players on the stage And you're
Again, that was the title track from the latest Tiger Moth Tales album, Storytellers Part 1, from 2015. Now let's get back to Peter. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And you, you've also kept up a steady diet of playing live, you know, your own stuff. And you, you did that stuff for guide dogs. You did uh, Peter. Jones sings Genesis. You put out a couple of those. Yeah, um, not the sort of thing I, I have ever been able to do before. Uh, in in the day job that I, well, I say day job, it's, it's a weekend night job really. But the gigs I generally do, which are, are pub and club gigs, uh, are all you know. I, I sing I sing covers for those, and, I, and that's what I've done for sixteen years. And I enjoy I enjoy singing covers. You know, I, I'm a great fan of uh, pop music. You know, of of all eras and I enjoy doing that, but not the kind of place you can ever do in proggy. I think maybe like literally once or twice in, in the course of 16 years have I actually had a conversation with somebody about Genesis or or, uh, or Pink Floyd or whatever. So, yeah, to be able to now actually go out, I mean, I, obviously we, I sing these songs, I sing like More Fool Me live or, or um, Musical Box or whatever. I, when, I, when I do my solo acoustic uh, Tiger Moth Tales gigs, uh, and to be able to record them as well and to put my own slant on them and to, to know that uh, 
No, just to be able to sing these songs in public for, for, an, for an audience who, I mean, as I said um, on uh, when I was at the uh, at the Boardline, I'm, I'm name dropping again. Here we go, uh, supporting <laughs> supporting Moon Safari. Um, I was I sang for Absent Friends, uh, and I got the I got the in the middle of the first verse. I sang I sang the line from the second verse. I sang uh, Le- leaving tuppence on the plate, and I could hear the audience singing the right words, and I thought. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I, and I said after the song, I said it's it's, it's a, to get the words wrong in a Genesis song and have have the audience actually notice or, or care, you know, and, yeah. and sort of be able to steer you right. It's not something I'm, I'm used to. So yeah, that was cool doing the Genesis stuff, and people have seemed to have liked my takes on. I mean, a couple of like Invisible Touch and Follow You, Follow Me, where I went a bit rogue. And uh... I liked I liked to follow you. I, I liked it a lot. I, I think I played it on a show a few months back. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. But I just, I just thought it was worth. I mean, I don't know what kind of audience we're talking about, really, in terms of numbers. But I, you know, people. Uh, obviously, people. I mean, you're never, gonna, you're never going to change people's minds. But, but there, obviously, there are a lot of people who, who really can't stand uh, <laughs> Invisible Touch, particularly, and the more, and, and when, they went, when they went into the pop uh, era of their of their careers. Yeah. And I, and I just thought um, it'd be quite interesting to take the song apart and do it again in a different style and see if it changes people's opinions of the actual, of the actual song, which, uh, to a degree was, was quite successful, uh, successful, you know? Um, so, <laughs> so that yeah. was quite cool. Yeah. Very I mean, cool. In, in the, in terms of invisible touch, I mean, I think I went a bit far with that one and sort of tried to turn it into some kind of, um, I mean, it was, it was as if, it was as if Steve Hackett never left the band and then decided to do a, um, uh, a, a nylon guitar version of Invisible Touch, <laughs> which, which some people, which some people might read as a bit of an insult to Steve Hackett. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I was playing it to my to my mate, and it it, it it got about five minutes through the song, and he suddenly and he, he suddenly worked out what it was. So that's how, you know, far apart I went with that one. But uh, no, it was good, great fun to do. Really, really, uh, I must say this, uh, since we're on the air, I must say that, you know, really, for everybody who did invest in either selling England for a pound or seven stones turned, you know, I really <laughs> appreciate that because, uh, I mean, I, I, I haven't actually given the money to Guide Dogs yet because I'm still letting it mount up. Um, but I think at the end of the, uh, it's coming up to the end of the, end of the year, so I will sort of be shortly presenting uh, the the check to guide dogs and it's and it's quite a substantial amount now so I, we really do appreciate that. That's fantastic, it really is, yeah. So, I guess that also brings up uh, after those albums, then you even guessed it on the Colin Tench Project album. That whole thing. Yeah. That whole thing, yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't you do something on that? Me? Yeah. No, no, no. I did talked you? to Colin a few oh, weeks oh. beforehand, oh. and yeah, I, I, I had a little advance. <laughs> oh, everyone else? <laughs> hey, I would if nah. you want me. You know, <laughs> I'll howl on a, it. <laughs> that was a rude. That was a rude joke uh, of mine uh, in, in in terms of the of the credit list for the album, which is uh, absolutely ginormous. But um, but nonetheless, um, I mean, the, how how you can pull something together like that, I, I don't know. I mean, Colin, Colin is. Uh, I think Colin's great at sort of getting people, um, you know, getting people. I think and uh, and pulling something like that together. And obviously, most of it done done on file sharing. So none of it, none of us have none of us have met. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, Colin first asked me about 
about that. I'm trying to think when it would have been, have I think it was somewhere around the time when Progzilla had its uh, anniversary. Um, okay. So that would have been, I think it was at the beginning of March, I think, um, or, or the end of February. Yeah, the end of February, I think it was. And um, Colin, I think, had just asked me about And So Today, which was the first one we did. Right. Um, and I got talking to him on, on account of the fact that he did these unbelievable reviews for Cocoon and Storyteller. You know, um, I mean, I, certainly the, the depth of the reviews and, the, and the, the compliments, I mean, he particularly complimented me on my sound quality which uh, and my mixing and stuff, which, which given the equipment that I'm using is, uh, is, quite, uh, is quite something, really. Yeah. Because I'm still I'm using all the old, well, antique, antique gear, which isn't even professional. It's it's semi-pro, so it's not even you know decent gear by most people's standards. So so yeah, he gave me the, some great feedback, and then we worked on Anso today, which was um, we've just we've just put a video out actually, um, um, which people seem to be enjoying, um, and it's it's about the, the musical legends that we've lost in the past. It references. Various people like uh, David Bowie, and, uh, Sir George Martin. Which I'm not, not supposed to say because I think you must try and work it out for yourself. But um, <laughs> yeah, okay. It's, it's cryptic, uh, cryptic lyrics that Colin wrote. Uh, so yeah, we did that, and then we did Part Four B, which is just uh, absolutely uh, mad. And mm-hmm. then we did, then we did Part Three, and then we did Part One. Um, so yeah, it was really, really great. And, and we. I think it's the mark of something, a, a great creation, because after, I mean, I, I was quite interested in doing the first one because it was quite a, it was a great topic and a, a quite serious, poignant song. And then um, the second one, I think, I thought, oh, okay, we could do another one. Um, and then by the time I'd done the second one, I was thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind doing another one, actually, now. And then Colin asked me about that, and um, he said, well, just, just one more, because I don't want to give you too much stuff to do, because I was trying to rehearse for, for Camel and stuff at the time. And uh, so I did the, the the third one. And then after that, I thought, oh, that's quite sad, actually. I wouldn't mind doing another one now. And I and I sort of approached him then and said, is there anything else you want me to do? So, um, so yeah, I, I kind of got hooked into it, you know, as we were, as we were doing it. So, and it's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic album. I mean, um, I think it's like, is it all 80 minutes of it? It's, it's, it's a great. It's pretty long, um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's just so much on there, you know, lots lot to take in. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. Of, yeah, it's kind of what he does. It's all it's all over the place, but it's it's always interesting, in my opinion. I, I like his uh, free well, we thinking. A, you know, yeah. Well, we have a similar uh, mindset because we both love the White Album by the Beatles, uh, as a for instance, which is obviously. I mean, a lot of people say that should have been a single album and they could have got rid of half of it, which I totally. Don't agree with it, and I, I love the fact that it just goes all over the place. And one minute you've got a dodgy, um, like musical song, next minute you've got like something that was more Led Zeppelin than Led Zeppelin was, and they weren't even around then. Right. And uh, <laughs> you know, right. and it's just it's just all over the place. It's just a wonderful mishmash, yeah. uh, and no, nothing, to my mind, is wasted or or, or lost. You know, it's it's just a it's a brilliant brilliant uh, album, and. Collins like that as well, you know, and, and he likes to just to uh, take people by surprise, as as do I. I mean, you know, uh, with with Cocoon, you know, there's, there's still a lot of will openly tell me that they usually skip the Isle, the Isle of Witches, for instance. <laughs> you know, and when I and when I uh, did that one, I thought to myself, should I, should I put this? Should I really put this on? Really? Uh, and in the end, I just had to because it was 
kind of uh, very much in the spirit of of what I was about of childhood and, and imagination and making up stories and that kind of thing and it, and it was from my childhood so I had I had to put it on I think that's but, the first uh, one I think that's the first song from you I ever played on my show The Isle of Witches Really Yeah yeah <laughs> I think yeah well, I think you've played it I think Marty's played it and I think um a guy at Delicious Agony uh I'm just okay. mentioning mention, mention loads of other radio stations here, which is, right. you know, <laughs> but, you know we're, we're, we're all friends, aren't we? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess like, so, yeah. A, a guy called Rick, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> um, bunch of amateurs. Uh, but uh, Rick, Rick, <laughs> Rick, uh, Rick DeShiel, um played The Isle of Witches on his show, and I think, I think he played it because I think he often, I, I may be wrong, but I think he often plays rather avant-garde type stuff, and I think he only likes to, he likes to play the weirdest stuff. And, uh, and sure enough, from from Cocoon, that was the that was the track he chose to play. Yeah, because well, <laughs> it was the weirdest. Yeah, I gravitated to it. A kid's oh, tale. Well, I loved uh, that too. I, that was fantastic. Ah, well, is it? Oh, well, there you are. Well, we're obviously of a similar similar mindset here, which is which is either good or alarming, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> In that segment, we talked a little about some of Peter's live work and his support for the Guide Dogs charity. The show opener came from the second live album he released called Seven Stones Turned. But he put out another one before that, Selling England for a Pound, in 2015. From that one, I'd like to play a wonderful stripped-down arrangement of the Genesis classic, The Musical Box.
Again, that was The Musical Box by Peter Jones from one of his two live albums, which benefit the Guide Dogs charity. Selling England for a Pound was the album that that one came from. When I post this show to my website, progwatch.com, I will have links for you to find those albums and all of Peter's works, which were featured in this show. So look for that and show some love. Yeah, back to the White Let's Album. Yeah, the I, I, I get it 100%. You know, it's uh, 
every everything on it. I even I even listened to Revolution Nine, and uh, you know, it's just like some of the funny little conversation bits. You know, I mean, they're classic. You know, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you uh, if right at the beginning, um, if you turn it really loud, you can hear George Martin talking to some a sound engineer about some wine or something, and it's this like really sort of camp sounding conversation about uh, champagne or something. It's like, uh, oh, oh, if I, if I'd known you wanted that darling, I'd have got it for you. I can't remember what it, what it says, but it's something, yeah, something yeah. really, yeah. something really, uh, really, um, um, I don't think of the word, but yeah, I think camp is, is a reasonable uh, word. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> something I didn't notice till very recently. <laughs> Take this brother. May it serve you well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so many uh, of them, you know. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, some people would just skip that over. No, not me. Well, I, I played that on my show the other day, followed by Let's Eat Grandma, who I've been championing um, recently. That They're an English act. And uh, I told my wife, I said, you, you've just missed Revolution 9, followed by Let's Eat Grandma, because she, <laughs> she nipped out to the shops. And she went, oh, thank God for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a bit too weird. But, but yeah. those, those two tracks, one after the other. <laughs> No, but, that, you know, you touched on that. The Beatles could get away with it. Even Led Zeppelin, to some degree, they got away with it. Um, you know, when you look, I mean, Hot Dog, that's like their attempt at a uh, a country song. You know, Jamaica, you know, it's uh, them doing Led Zeppelin reggae, you know. And they could do the Led uh, Zeppelin 3 album. Pardon? Well, all, yeah, I mean, all my life, this, this was this was the problem... For, well, also all my life, all my songwriting career, this was the problem for me that I could never stick to one genre. But I never, I never saw the point. What's the point in getting yourself stuck in in one particular thing? Right. I mean, you mentioned the Led Zeppelin. I mean, another one, and Night at the Opera by Queen. I mean, that's right. That's that's from full on metal to uh, to musical. Yeah, I to, mean, old musical, uh, yeah. Like some other crazy space space travel thing or whatever it was and uh, and then obviously the things like um what's it called the prophet song you know that, that that's yeah. full on prog yeah you know all the weird uh, echo stuff and yeah. got, i think has it got uh my best friend on that album as well oh yeah that? that's on there yep which is like it's good old uh, almost motown type thing going on you know yeah. so yeah. how can you categorize that i mean i suppose that usually comes from four different band members as, as in the case of queen and and the beatles um just as welcome in a in a solo uh, solo artist, as far as I'm concerned, you know. And I think I find, I, find, I just find those artists more interesting. So you know, do I. If, yeah. yeah, I mean, and having they, the guts it, to do it too. I mean, you know, not just you know because so many bands, I think they end up. And this is where I think the downfall of music came is when everything had to fit in the box, and you had A and R guys saying, "Well, you have to write a song that sounds just like the three hits off your last album. You have to write Son of." your last hit every time, you know, and then Aerosmith, you have Aerosmith coming out basically writing the same song for about 10 years there. It was the same power ballad almost to the T and it's just like, man, where did we go wrong here? There's no, there's no creativity or adventurousness left here. You know, I recorded an interview with Andy Latimer for a Proxilla show, which hasn't even come out yet. So I should stop, I should stop saying what I'm about to say, but, but Andy <laughs> was talking, Andy was talking about that and recording albums in the seventies and saying that like, the record you know, at that time, you know, they didn't get involved. You know, they, they didn't come in to the studio and say, you know, what are you doing? You can't do that, you know. And and it was an, a, a really exciting time to record because you had this sort of 
this freedom. And then you hear stuff about like in the eighties, you know, I've just, um, you know, reading, I was reading Phil Collins autobiography just recently and, mm-hmm. and talking about how the record companies wanted people to, to do a particular thing or like, yeah, do, do the same as you did last time, but, but better or, or, or just rewrite the, yeah, <laughs> rewrite exactly. what you've written. Yeah. It, um, does seem like uh, something went a bit wrong somewhere down the line, and which is why the seventies was such a exciting era, and why now people do kind of hark back to that. I mean, you get a lot of stick for uh, sort of looking back to the seventies because people say, "Well, we want to progress and move on from the seventies, But it's in my mind. I mean, uh, you know, my mind, our, our minds are still being blown, you know, by uh, uh, "Lamb Lies Down" or or um, you know, whatever, or Moon Madness, or you know, whatever album it is, we're still being, still being washed away by that. So, I, I kind of take it. I think it's a great thing that that a band still want to, want to take on the spirit of, of that. Yes, the which is spirit. which is why you which is why you see a lot of albums saying you know that they take elements of seventies prog and you know people still what well, they want to kind of capture and get back to that spirit of, of freedom. You know. And no matter how you, um, and the other thing is, I mean, no matter how you try and get around it, I mean, I, I, I've taken the piss out of, uh, can you say piss on, on your show? Sure. Uh, <laughs> twice. Um, no, I've taken the mickey out of bands who use Mellotrons and say, oh, oh, look, we must be prog because we've got a Mellotron. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, at the end of the day, is this a bloody good sound? You know, you've got, you've got people using the same R's and string sounds and choir sounds and stuff that, I mean, I don't know if these people ever got paid royalties. If, if you know these people who recorded the original samples, they they ought to be billionaires by now. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's a, it's a fantastic sound. And if you stop using those sounds and use something else, somebody's gonna someone's gonna chime up and say, "Oh, I don't like these these new modern sounds people are using." So you can't bloody win. But we, we yeah. strayed strayed a little from <laughs> from what we were talking about. I love Mellotron. I love Mellotron. I I was so oh, excited yeah. when I got a decent sounding plug in for my own little setup and. Uh, I don't drench everything in it, but it's cool to have it. You know, when you want it, you know, it's there. And, and yeah. it does, it, it, it creates that certain vibe, you know. It just... I mean, I've, I've, um, I've, I don't use, I never have any plugins. I don't use them. I just use my old Technics workhorse. And, and sometimes I've kind of made a bit of a thing about the, the fact that I don't have a Mellotron. I'm thinking, you know, uh, I say, but no, nobody else is using a Technics KN6000. Okay, okay. But at the same time, I do do try and sometimes reproduce Mellotron, Mellotron sounds, you know, with, with the R's and you know, the strings and the whatever right. you know, I do, and, the, and flutes and that kind of, I do try and reproduce it. So I'm as, I'm as guilty uh, as, as, as the next Mellotron user, maybe. Um, and obviously when I did the camel stuff, there were tracks where I had to try and get as near to a Mellotron as, as I, as I could. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a fab sound. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think, the great thing about prog for me, because I, I did struggle all my life with with songwriting and people saying, you know, well, you've got one song that sounds like, you know, country and you've got one song that sounds like Brian Adams and then you've got something else that sounds like um, a James Taylor track and then something else that sounds like uh, a, a, a Backstreet Boys ballad or something, <laughs> something crazy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, because... What's the point in writing songs that sound all the all the same? And people would say, we need to get you to have your own sound and and to be in your own, um, to find to find your sort of your genre or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that's why prog <laughs> in a way was an was was a eye opener for me to be able to record prog because I just thought, 
if I want to do a little musical bit in the middle of it, I can do that. If I want to do metal in the middle of something, I can I can do that. If I want to go Indian, I can do that. If I want to if I want to have a little uh, singing goat section, I can. Yeah, <laughs> I can do and that. Then, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then that is your style, and your voice is your <laughs> voice, and you know, and people. Uh, Regardless, it's still, like I said, when Zeppelin did a country song, it didn't sound very country. It was still Led Zeppelin, but it was basically hot dog, you know, it was still like basically a country song, but it was them. It, it was still Led Zeppelin. So what yeah. you're doing, it's, it may take from different influences and styles, but it's still Peter Jones music. And speaking of Peter Jones music, here's one from the first Tiger Moth Tales album that shows that Pete has a light heart and doesn't like to take things too seriously. This is the Mary Vicar from the first Tiger Moth Tales album, Cocoon, released in 2014.
spreading the word with a wink and a nod. He's doing a lot of good for God. He's giving the church a bit of a prod. Preachers Hip hip and three cheers indeed. Again, that was the Merry Vicar from Cocoon by Tiger Moth Tales in 2014. Now we'll finish up that interview. All right. Well, uh, so what what do you have cooking? Uh, what what are you going to be up to? How are you going to build on this year? You know, it's it's been a hell of a year for you. But I I, I dearly love to to go out and do some more stuff with with Camel. Uh, I like to do more work with with Francis. Um, that's I mean that's the other thing. I I, I played. A couple of keyboard on a couple of couple of his tracks on his Return to the Wild Country album. I played keyboard on um, uh, "Peace in Our Time" and um, uh, "Jackal in Your Mind." Uh, so that that was that was great to be able to, to play on those. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just enjoying working with such such cool people. Um, there's, there's another project that I'm working on, which I can't really. Uh, I don't I don't think I'm at liberty to say what it is. Ah, um, another uh, another. <laughs> It's, Drop uh, him a hint it, or whatever, yeah. Well, it's it's a it's um it's a, a band who I've just I've I've uh, written some lyrics with and, and they've they've asked me to to sing on a couple of the tracks on on their album, uh, but I can't I can't say who it is. So, but that that'll be out next year. So, a bit amazing to, to see how that goes down. And they are really, really I wish I could tell you who it is because they are really really excellent. The secret, the secret life excellent of band. Peter they're, Jones. They're they're, 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 they're Italian. That, that, that's all I'll say. Wow, that brings a few to mind. Uh-huh, well, <laughs> not narrow the field that much, but uh, can I ask uh, <laughs> more modern or older classic? Uh, yeah, they're pretty, pretty, pretty modern. All right, we'll leave it at that. I don't want to. I don't want to pressure you. Whoops, had to stop there as Pete was just about to tell me the name of the band that he is hopefully working with soon. I know I'm such a tease. But I will tell you that the news is really awesome, and when it is official, I will make sure to share it with you. But for now, let's finish things off with a tune from the Colin Tench Project album, Hair in a G-String, on which Peter collaborated. The name of the song is Hair in a G-String 3, I'm Going Down.
It's not what we thought, apparently A recent inquiry Succinctly made the case It's all down, 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 down Saying everything's fine, fine, fine. What might be true is a view. A Brazilian is better than doing nothing at all. Do you follow me? I know traffic's bad today. is good touching wood where do you go I suppose we don't know I don't know I don't know we don't know we don't know suppose that I say you're not leaving today stay where you are and play that guitar
And that's about all we have time for. So remember to prog on, brothers and sisters. <laughs>